Big Mike here with Entertainment. We got an absolute legend here. We got the best ever. We got Kurt Angle in the building, guys. It's true. It's damn true. Like what we're doing, you hit that subscribe button. Let's go. If you're looking for a mug, perhaps a hoodie, head on over to IonlyJudgeGreatness.com. Hey, this is Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist and WWE Hall of Fame. And I'm coming on I Only Touch Greatness Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking the time for us today. Sure. I'm Ryan, by the way. I've been the one talking with your people, and this is Big Mike joining us. Hi, hey, Big Kurt. Mike. Thanks for taking the time, you? Kurt. Really appreciate it. Big fans of yours. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We've got the nice assortment of uh, all your food and your chip products <laughs> yeah. here. I see that. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for signing the autograph for us as well. Sure, sure. Perfect. How are you holding up for during COVID and stuff? Everything good for you? Yeah, it's been all right. It's, you know, it's a pain in the butt, but, you know, this is what we have to deal with right now. Okay. So born in Pennsylvania, what was childhood like for you growing up? Uh, with my family, I had a big family, five boys, one girl, and we, uh, when we were young, we were it was embedded in our head to be great athletes. So we took pride in sports and being from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, back in the seventies, the Steelers won four Super Bowls, Pirates won two world series. Uh, it was considered the city of champions. So we took a lot of pride in sports and that was the one thing that my mother and father wanted us to do. And we had to do it well. <laughs> I got. And you uh, definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. One quick thing here, there. I got a friend joining as well from Kansas City. He's going to ask a question at the very end. He's just going to hang out and watch until then. So if you see him, that's okay. what's up. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay. So, Kurt, other than your parents, uh, who would you say the biggest influencers were in your career? Uh, for me, it was uh, Dan Gable. Um, he was. Uh, NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, he was the, the guy. I mean, you know, growing up, he, that's all you heard about in wrestling. Uh, my family was um, really involved with wrestling. All my brothers wrestled. I was the youngest. My sister was a wrestling cheerleader. Uh, they didn't have wrestling for women back then or she would have done it. But um, that Dan Gable was the one guy that I always looked up to. And he was the guy that I wanted to portray and be like. Okay. I even I even uh, used his 
uh, his fitness and conditioning methods to get myself ready for the Olympics. Uh, that's how intense he was. He was, he did exhaust training, training till you're exhausted and then it starts. That's when it begins. And it, it's painful, but you know, when you make it through that, you can get through any match, you know, it's, uh, uh, nothing's going to wear you down. If you're tired, your brain tells you I'm tired. I want to quit. When you exhaust train, your brain learns to work through the exhaustion, ignore the pain. So that, that's one thing I learned from Dan Gable that helped me out quite a bit. Did you play okay. any other sports growing up or did you always, or what made you choose wrestling? I played all sports, basketball, football, baseball. I was an all-state football player in high school. Uh, had a uh, several uh, Division One scholarship offers, but I chose wrestling over football mainly because of my family. Um, my, you know, my brothers were all exceptional wrestlers, so I, I had to take after them. And you know, thank God I ended up being the best one out of them all. But I think that if the oldest one was the youngest. I think he would have been the one to win the Olympic gold medals. So I was just very blessed to be the last one in the family. And I learned from all my brothers. You won NCAA gold in 1990 and 92. And then you became world champion in 95 and Olympic gold medalist in Atlanta with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, obviously the Olympic gold is probably your highlight, but uh, you've, were any of those, can you tell us a little bit about the other ones? Well, my first NCAA title was really important. Um, that, that gave me the confidence to know that I could move on beyond the NCAAs and go Olympics and world championship caliber. Um, so that, that, that win uh, definitely, you know, uh, gave me the confidence to know that I can continue on. Uh, the 95 world championship, that was my first world championship and I won it. And uh, that, that was also equally as important because that established me as one of the top wrestlers in my weight class in the world. Uh, you know, even, even though I won the world championship in 95, I was ranked number four in the world in 96 in the Olympics uh, just because it was so competitive. There are other world champions in my weight classes in my weight class and um you know they they ranked those guys a little bit above me uh but uh it didn't bother me i just knew that if, if i stayed focused and i kept my conditioning up and my technique i would be fine okay so take me back to 96 then obviously olympics being a big thing uh massive thing obviously what, uh, what were the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies like uh opening ceremonies was a lot of fun i i uh, i have a good funny story uh, when when i when i went into the stadium you know all the athletes were uh in a parade type of a uh, crowd and we were parading into the arena the stadium there was seventy-five thousand fans there and we walked around the track when i walked in uh with my team um the fans went crazy and i was like oh my god they know me <laughs> you know and, and I turn around and I see the dream team behind me. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. And, you know, it was just like, 
oh my god uh, that that humbled me right away <laughs> they weren't cheering for me they were cheering for the dream team but it, it was pretty funny uh, 96 olympics that was the year of the bombing wasn't it yes the bombing occurred i think uh, about four days after the olympics started and um it was a scary time uh, you know everybody uh, was on lockdown and you know it just got a little crazy and uh it's unfortunate that you know the guy that you know found one of the bombs got accused of doing it that was that was pretty sad uh, i know that it pretty much ruined his life and uh it, it's a shame you know they just but, made that great movie about him yes yes i heard about that but yeah, the Olympics was a great experience. Uh, besides the bombing, it was there was just so much to do. You know, you you, you um, they they had Olympic Village, and you you could do whatever you wanted. You go to any uh, store, and everything was free. Like it was really cool. Uh, you know, they treat the Olympians really well. Yeah, we because we're in Vancouver, so we just had the Olympics in 2010, and it was the best two weeks we've of all of our lives that's for sure right right had to be a lot of fun yeah. oh yeah parties big time and then canada won gold in hockey so that was our, our yes, big adventure that day they usually do <laughs> yeah mike shoot one yeah if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive who would it be oh uh i would say geez that's that's a tough question I always, I always go with Muhammad Ali for me, because I love to get that guy's brain. <laughs> Actually, you know, Muhammad Ali is a good pick. He, uh, you know, I, I just uh, did a commercial with Mike Tyson, and uh, he talked about how great Ali was. He said that uh, there was nobody better. He was, he was the best ever. And you know, coming from Mike Tyson, you know, he. He, he knows uh, that Tyson's a great technician. I don't know. Everybody thinks he's just a brawler, but he can, he has the incredible technique. He's very uh, prone about it. He, he loves uh, working on his technique all the time. And uh, you know, that, you know, he, I think he learned a lot of that from Muhammad Ali. Uh, but who would I want to have dinner with? He said, yeah. Ah, uh, let's see. I would say, huh? That's a tough one. Uh, I would say Sylvester Stallone. Okay, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah, Rocky was always my movie when I was younger. He that 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 inspired me to do great things. I mean, it was such an incredible movie and. I guess it's a little cliche today, but you know, it's, it's really uh, incredible story. And uh, I really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed all the Rockies, but the first one was the best. My answer to that question is all always GSP being from Canada. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. That, the Hulkster. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to meet him. I never got to. So that's a long one away. And then Tupac would be my other answer, but. Oh, he, Tupac, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're one of four people but, to win yeah. <laughs> the amateur Grand Slam. Uh, what's that like? And can you explain what the four titles oh, are? Uh, win the Junior Nationals, 
winning the junior nationals, the NCAAs, the world championships, and the Olympics. Uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure about it now, but I, I was one of four to be a Grand Slam champion. Uh, but I think a couple more have actually been added on since that stat came out, which was in 2008. Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge honor. Um, you know, I, I didn't even know I did it. Uh, you know, I, they, they, you know, when I saw the article, I was like, Oh, wow. Uh, one of four wrestlers I ever do it. That's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think I embedded my legacy in amateur wrestling as one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I think that if I would have continued on, uh, I would have made my legacy bigger because I just got started in the Olympics. You know, the, the World Championships Olympics, they were my first two, and then I retired and uh, didn't move on after that. But if I would have, I think I would have won three more worlds and another Olympic gold medal. Uh, but I, I chose to get out uh, because I was pretty much burned out from training, uh, exhausted, uh, mentally stressed out, all the time um just tried to clear my mind and work on a new career after the olympics can you tell us about your broken freaking neck yes that happened at the u.s open uh two months prior to the olympics uh, i got thrown on my head and uh i heard this cracking and crunching in my neck when i landed and uh a guy threw me on my head and uh, I, I got up and I couldn't feel my arms. And I, I called for a timeout and got myself situated and went back. I didn't know my neck was broken. So I continued on, but I had to, I had to continue on if I wanted to make the Olympic team. So regardless, I would have done it anyway. Uh, so I, I ended up coming back and winning that match. And then the, the, the finals, that was a semis. In the finals, I wrestled a, a great Olympic wrestler named Kerry McCoy. And um, I couldn't do anything, so I just pummeled him the whole time and won by 0-0 referee's decision. I don't know how I did it because he's a fabulous wrestler. But I just did whatever I could to make him look like he was stalling and that I was aggressive. And it was just upper body pummeling, underhooks, just – I couldn't attack them because of my neck. So uh, when I won that, <clears throat> I went, came home and uh, went to the doctor and uh, he said, you're done. And I was like, I, I got to wrestle. This is my only chance. I, I'm on the Olympic team. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to blow this chance. And he said, well, now, granted, this is back in 1996. Uh, you can't do this anymore. But the doctor said, all right, we'll give you a, a healing agent and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stick you in the neck with that. And uh, it wasn't a steroid because I wasn't allowed steroids for the, because of the Olympics. So uh, it wasn't uh, anything that like cortisone, that's the steroid. But it was a healing agent. And he decided to have a doctor travel with me in the Olympics and uh, stick me in the neck with 12 shots of Novocaine before each one of my matches. Holy so my neck would be numb for an hour. <laughs> yeah. My neck would be numb for an hour. And, and then, after, you know, after the match was over, uh, I was in excruciating pain. It was just so, so much pain I couldn't deal with it. 
but I, I got through it. I got through every match and I, you know, thank God I won the Olympics. I did what I set out to do. I just wish that it was under better circumstances. And then WWE came reaching out to you after that or? Yes, they offered me a deal right away after the Olympics. Uh, Vince McMahon saw me on TV and he offered me a great deal, a 10-year deal, multi-million dollar deal. And my agent said, you're not doing this. This stuff is fake. You're real. Uh, just like my coaches growing up told me. I, I never watched pro wrestling because I was always told that I'm the real deal and they're, they're getting the credit for wrestling. Uh, I think the amateur wrestling community back then was a little bitter about it. Uh, they're not bitter anymore because a lot of wrestlers have crossed over now. Um, so it's, it's a little different today. And they, they understand that it's sports entertainment. It's not really wrestling. So um, I, uh, I ended up, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Oh, just Vince oh, giving you that offer, but uh, we could. Oh on. yeah, the offer. That's right. <laughs> That's where I was going. Uh, so he he offered me a deal. My my agent said, "No, you're not doing it." And uh, so I didn't. I took a sports casting job for a year in Pittsburgh with Fox, and uh, you know it, it was a startup station, so I didn't have much time to prepare because the, the the cameras weren't ready till the day of shooting. So I, I uh, went in there and uh, I was a weekend sports anchor and my, my uh, monitor, uh, when I went to read the angle on sports, I lost all my scripts. They went in the air. And uh, when I walked into the, uh, the studio, I ran to the producer and my scripts flew in the air. I said, what am I going to do? My scripts are out of order. He said, just read the prompter. So I went to read the prompter and it went blank. <laughs> I didn't say anything for like two minutes to my producers, like say something, anything. And I remember the first story was Duquesne basketball. And I just, uh, I, I ended up, it was an eight minute uh, devastation of Kurt Angle. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the worst thing I ever did. And, you know, I, when I got done, the, the, the weekday sports anchor said, you know, I've been doing this 17 years. That never happened to me. And it happened to you your first night. That's how the job was the whole year. So oh. I, I, I didn't really pick up well. I, I failed miserably. So, you know, after that year, which was 97 and nine, early 98, I contacted WWE and said, hey, you still give me that offer. And uh, Jim Ross said, no, you're going to have to try out. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come up and try out. So I went to a tryout in WWE. And uh, they had the Dory Funk Dojo back then. So they were, they were doing like five days a month of the dojo. It wasn't a lot, but it, it was something. And that's where I had my tryout. And the first day I, I picked up incredibly well on the bumping and the selling and, uh, you know, all the technique. And they, they offered me a deal right away. But it was, <laughs> it wasn't a multi-million dollar deal. It was uh, fifty thousand dollars. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I had to, I had to work my way up, and oh. I, I was okay with that. And I, I've always done that my whole life. Always been the underdog, and uh, I knew that it wasn't going to be any different in WWE. How hard was it to cut that first promo? Uh, you know what? The crazy thing is, they, the Dory Funk Dojo didn't really teach it that much. Um, 
we didn't work on promos that much at all. We, we did technique and, you know, selling and bumping. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to, I, uh, you know, I, I had to, I had to learn on the fly when I got to the big show, uh, you know, Raw Smackdown. And uh, I had to uh, uh, basically uh, just go with it. And, you know, uh, I remember my first promo, Vince McMahon said, hey, this is what you're going to say. I want you to go out there and say it right now. And he started talking and he rambled on for five minutes and I didn't listen to a word he said. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. He wants me to you know, remember all this. And when he got done, he said, are we good? And I said, Vince, I didn't listen to a word you said. I said, you're going to have to tell me it again. He said, all right, but you got to cut this promo. You got to do it. You either sink or swim. And he said it to me again. And I went out there and I didn't get it all right, but I got enough of it right that Vince said, oh, this guy has it. So I, uh, it, from there, we, you know, Vince uh, started to uh, create the Kurt Angle character. Yeah. Did, did, uh, did the, sorry, I was going to oh, say, did the comedy side of uh, wrestling come easy to you? The what side of wrestling? The comedy side. Yeah, you know what? I, I didn't even know I was really that funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is, the writer, Brian Gewartz and, and Vince McMahon, they, um, they knew where, I, where they wanted me to go with it. They wanted me, me to be gullible, but yet deceiving. Um, they wanted me to be goofy, uh, but yet vicious. And, uh, you know, I just listened to what they told me. And, you know, Brian Gewartz cut some you know, wrote some great promos for me. And, you know, a lot of the stuff was really funny and entertaining. And uh, so they, that's why they pushed me so quickly from the beginning, because I caught on really fast. I was only training for uh, eight months before I went on TV. Uh, it was wow. a very short period of time. And I still didn't know what I was doing when I got on TV. I, you know, the wrestlers were, were guiding me through the matches, you know, they were talking to me in the ring and tell me what to do. Cause I, when I beat the rock for the world title, I still didn't know what I was doing. I was still learning. Uh, I, I probably, I probably got it in three years. And that's when, uh, you know, the real Kurt Angle, the, the, the wrestler that, you know, everybody knows is, uh, it was born was three years after, you know, I started training. Yeah, it's they true. say that you had one of the best rookie years ever, if not the best rookie year ever. Um, that really helped build your character, as you had just alluded to. Um, did you always know that you were funny and that you were going to get this push? <laughs> no, I didn't know. I, 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 uh, I was never like a funny or goofy guy, but um, you know, after doing that, I kind of my personality started to come out and develop a little bit more. So uh, I, I like doing it. I like making an ass out of myself. Uh, you know, I liked uh, being goofy and funny. Uh, it, you know, that was the funnest time for me back then. My first year, I couldn't wait every week. I was like a little kid in a candy store. I couldn't wait to, you know, grab that candy every week, see what I was going to do and what they had set for me. And, it was always something. And, and, you know, I, they always 
you know, give me titles and, and King of the Ring, you know, championships. And it was just, uh, they treated me really well. And I think it was because of the talent that I had. I didn't know I had it, but they did. I heard another good story that Jerry Briscoe, that, can you tell us the Jerry Briscoe story about wearing the, yeah. uh, wearing the medals? Yeah, I was, um, I was with Vince and he said, listen, I want you to start wearing a bunch of medals, like 25 of them. Do you have any medals at home? I said, of course I do, Vince. And he said, uh, I want you to get a bunch of your medals from when you were a kid and then the Olympic gold medal on top. And I want you to wear it when you go out to the arena and before when you cut a promo or you wrestle. So I did it. And uh, when I got back, um, you know, Vince said, great job. And I went to the back where the boys were and Jerry Briscoe. I took the medals off and Jerry Briscoe said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm taking my medals off. I'm done. He goes, no, this is your character now. You have to wear your medals everywhere. I said, what do you mean outside the arena? He said, yes, everywhere you go, you have to wear <laughs> So I'm, I'm wearing them in airports. I'm wearing them in restaurants. I'm driving in my car wearing them. I thought I was supposed to be the Kurt Angle character all day, every day. And then when I came to the arena one day, a couple weeks later, I ran to Vince and Vince said, what the hell are you doing with your medals on? And I said, Jerry Briscoe told me I have to wear them all the time. He said, you don't have to wear those all the time. Only out in the arena. I told you that. I said, I know, but Jerry told me to wear them. It was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Uh, one, one question we always ask uh, all our athletes is, uh, if you were an animal, what would you be? And also uh, karaoke. If you were to sing one song, let's say there was $100,000 on the line, and you had to sing one song, what would it be? Oh, man, these are tough questions. What was the first one? What, what would an animal, if you were an animal, what would you be? A lion. Okay. Only because he's aggressive and he's a badass. And I love lions. Um, a song? Uh, Baby Shark. Oh. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I have kids. I have yeah. kids. I thought you were going to sing the sexy Kurt song. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's one of my favorites, but that's Sean's. I can't, I can't yeah. steal it from Sean. <laughs> did, you, did you spend a lot of time rehearsing that? That's, that question was coming up a little later, but I'll take it right now. I No, I didn't. I, I did read the lines a few times, but um, yeah, it was, you know, I just let loose. And uh, even though I can't dance, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I thought, I thought it was pretty funny, the, the, the way I was dancing. It was, you know... Yeah. It was horrible, but yet, you know, graceful. <laughs> yeah, with most of our hockey players, we try to pump in a couple highlights, and we would, would have done this right here. But, I mean, every time I do an interview with a wrestler or a UFC guy, they, as soon as you put in a highlight or something, it gets shut down and taken off the internet because of copyrights. But Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's a pain in the butt. They won't let you do that, right? No, yeah, even if I could just drop in like a 10-second clip of you – of you doing your dance there to the Shawn Michaels' theme music. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's uh instead I'll paint a visual with my with my words. <laughs> Mike, well, one what more? was it like uh yeah, what was it like working with uh Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin? I mean you three were always my favorites. Uh what was it like working with those two? 
Steve was a lot better wrestler than people portray him to be only because his character was so strong. I mean, he was, you know, stone cold and beer drinker rebel. Uh, but his wrestling, he backed it up in the ring. He, he was, he was a great in-ring general. His, uh, you know, his ability uh, to uh, make an incredible match. He, he was, he, and the thing is, he didn't call all of it beforehand. He, he liked to do most of it on the, on the fly. And there's only a very few wrestlers that do that. And he was one of them. Undertaker's another, Triple H is another. Uh, but they, uh, they know, you know, they really know their stuff. And, uh, you know, Austin was incredible. Hulk Hogan, he, you know, when I wrestled him, surprisingly, he was easy to work with. You know, I thought, you know, him being slower and a little bit older, uh, you know, he wouldn't be able to keep up, but he kept up. He was, he was pretty damn good. He, he's pretty basic, but, you know, what he does, he does really well. His selling, uh, you know, his, you know, his, his charisma, he, he has the whole thing. He, his look, he, you know, he's the full package. And uh, it was a, it was a, a lot of fun. We had a blast working together, uh, especially at King of the Ring. Uh, we, when I made him tap out, Hulk <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Hogan taps out. <laughs> the, I got another one here. Uh, what did you feel when the fans started chanting "You suck"? And well, how did that? And, and but and, and how did that come about? Well, I was surprised. They started it. Um, a couple of weeks before I had a program with edge and they weren't doing it as much, but I think edge caught wind of it. And, you know, he, one night I was doing a promo, he walked out and he said that, you know, when your song plays, they certain chant angle, they should chant you suck. And uh, that's when it started. Um, you know, edge started that. And uh, you know, it, it was, it was pretty cool because you know i was a heel at the time and i didn't mind people tell me i sucked i know i didn't but you know it was uh it was pretty cool to get that kind of response the crazy thing is as i got older uh it was a sign of respect i'm not sure how but you know the fans chant you suck because they like me and uh you know it's kind of a reverse effect but you know it's you know, what are you going to do? It's, you know, it, it was embedded in their heads and they were going to continue to say it. Oh yeah. And you could tell with, as you got older, the, you started to embrace it. You were pumping them up and waving and trying to get them to go and chant your chant. You suck. Uh, yeah. Then you moved on to TNA. Uh, what was it like working with the stars that are now the front line, your big guys, your AJ styles, your, Samoa Joe's and the McIntyre's like you, you were working with all these guys and before their characters are what they are today. Yeah. You know what? They, they had a lot of great talent. Uh, when I went, when I left WWE and went to TNA, uh, there were, there was just a slew of talent that I never touched. And uh, I was so excited to be a part of it. And, you know, my first program was with Samoa Joe which rightfully it should have been, uh, him being undefeated, me being the biggest name to come into TNA besides Sting. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Sting. Uh, but uh, the program with Joe, 
uh, was awesome. Uh, you know, we, it was our biggest pay-per-view buy rate in TNA history. And, uh, and then I moved on to AJ, to Sting, uh, to Bobby Roo, James Storm, uh, Eric Young, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre. Uh, there was there were a lot of great talent. We, we just, you know, guys were coming in too. Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, X-Pac. Uh, there, we, we, uh, we definitely created noise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the early, you know, 2007, 8, 9, 10, it was, it was a special time for TNA. And it was a special time for wrestling because it showed that there was another company that was serious about, you know, what, you know, about being successful. And that's when we had Eric Bischoff on, we were talking about how the, uh, we were talking about how he went from this octagon ring, octagon ring, and it was switched back to the square ring. And I felt that the octagon ring was really what made you guys stand out. Right. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it was, it was different. And, you know, it gave a complete new look. Your style had to change. It was a little quicker game. Uh, you know, you you had to know where you were in the ring, at, you know, because when you have four corners, it's a little easier to pick and choose than six. So, you know, it's, you, you know, you don't want to get thrown into the ropes when you want to end up in the corner. And when you have a <laughs> bunch of options, you don't know where you're going to go. So, you know, sometimes you have to run crooked and change direction. But it, it was a bit confusing at first, but, you know, I enjoyed the six-sided ring. I thought it was different, and I thought it made us stand out. Okay, Prince, you're coming in here from Kansas City. You got a question to ask. Yeah, yeah. I've been a huge fan, huge fan. I, you're the only one I haven't really got to see live out of all the wrestlers. I, it's so many wrestlers I have seen, but I have a question. We was talking about TNA. Man of Mafia, like how how did that all come about? Was you, Sting, and Nash, Nash, Booker T, all of them. Like how did that come about? Because that was one of the iconic moments and iconic factions that a lot of people really don't talk about. Yeah, well, the main event mafia was created uh, by Kevin Nash. He, I think Kevin is, he's very creative with um, picking, um, you know, groups like, you know, NWO and the Wolfpack. And, you know, they, he, um, he decided that we were going to do a, a main event mafia. He wanted to do a mafia and he thought, we're all main eventers, so let's make it main event mafia. And I thought it was a great idea. And, you know, I was surprised they wanted me to be a leader. But at the time, I was I was pretty much me, myself and Scott Steiner were the only full-time wrestlers down there. So um, they picked me to be the leader, the godfather. And, you know, I, I was surrounded by Scott Steiner, Sting, Kevin Nash, and uh, – and who's the other one? Booker T was one. <laughs> Booker T, yes. Yeah. yeah, Booker. So we we um it was pretty cool. We we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh you know, there there were a lot of good storylines and you know, we we went against other teams and uh, you know, it was it was 
in my mind, it was uh, the, the best faction I've been part of. And I, I was part of Team Angle, too. But the main event mafia was a little more special for me. It was really cool to have all those guys and, you know, wearing suits and sunglasses and looking like badasses. It was, okay. it was pretty cool. Yeah. Mike, do you got one before we get into uh, asking him about his chips? Yep. What? Uh... No, we didn't hear a thing you said, man. What? Uh, was there a match that ever didn't happen that you wanted? To... Oh, I... it's not working. Sorry. Yeah, you're not working. Yes, I heard you. Or a dream match for you. My dream match was is Bret Hart. I would wish I would have gotten to wrestle Bret. He was the one guy when I started wrestling that. Uh, I started watching video tapes of him and uh, wanting to portray him. Uh, you know, he was such a great technician and he, he was the guy back then in, you know, 96, 97, 98. Um, so I, I, I wanted to have a, a match with Brett. I actually called him in 2003 and I told him, hey, let's have a match at WrestleMania. You don't have to bump. I know you had the stroke and, you know, uh, you know, I know that uh, the, the kick from Goldberg got you, you know, your bell rung, uh, but you don't have to bump, uh, you know, I'll do all the bumping. And, but Brett said no. And I understand why yeah. he, uh, he did not think that he would be able to put on the Bret Hart performance that he could at the time. And I, me being older now, and being in the position that he was in, I agree. I, 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 I wouldn't come out of retirement to have a dream match with somebody that was in their prime and I couldn't keep up with them. So it's, you know, it's not a dream match if it's, you know, if you're not being able to keep up with your opponent. So, you know, I understood why he said no. Crazy thing is he ended up wrestling Vince in a street fight couple years later and i was like oh well you know but understand it was vince it wasn't me so you know the the wrestling ability was a little different so that that that's why you know it, it didn't happen okay yeah, you, so and, you and Bre you, you and brett would have been a great match i uh i met him when i was a kid and he actually sharpshooted me on stage in burnaby <laughs> in front of like a bunch of people obviously not as hard as he could go but it was a memory that i'll never forget it was a pretty cool experience He's a really nice guy. He's good to his fans. Yes. I, I've never even heard that story out of all the times we've talked about Bret Hart and how we met him even at lacrosse that time. You never told me that Sport. story. <laughs> There's, there, I got pictures of it. It's a sports card show in Burnaby right on stage. Oh, geez. <laughs> so I got a few That's more. Awesome. I got a few more of your stats to run over, but let's talk about these chips. Can you tell us what we got and which one of these flavors am I trying right now? Uh, well, there, there's sriracha, honey barbecue, uh, kung po, yeah, pizza flavor. Um, I'm going buffalo. Uh, cinnamon swirl. There, there's a lot of great flavors. Honey mustard. They're they're amazing. You're gonna you're gonna love them. The chicken snacks by Physically Fit Nutrition. Uh, this is my company, and this is the product that we're selling. And uh, I'm really proud of the product. It's, it's done great reviews. Uh, every review has been four or five stars. And uh, we, we got picked up by Amazon. 
and uh, we're, we're in starting to uh, move in stores. So it's, you know, our, our online is our biggest. That's physicallyfit.com. Uh, order them. You know, anyone out there that's interested, these are made from chicken breast. Uh, they're, they're little Chex Mix type of texture that is flavored with sriracha or honey barbecue, kung po, uh, all the different flavors. And uh, we have a plant protein. Those are the white ones. So if you don't, if, you, if you're, you know, you're not into the meat, uh, the plant protein is just as good. And uh, the nutritionals are incredible. They're high protein, low carbohydrate. Thank you, Kurt. We definitely will be uh, handing those out to our friends to try. Uh, I was supposed to be with him, but because of COVID, uh, we're in different locations today, and I ended up having to work today. So, Hey, guys, how's this okay, look? Okay, well, great talking to you, man. Hey, real slow. We're, 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 we're trying to wrap that up. Yeah. Yippee-ki-yay. We still have the tiny cowboy hat, and I think that's it sitting in the background. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta get you to put that on here on my show here. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay. Here. All right. <laughs> there it is. There it is. This is it. The Kurt Angle cowboy hat that Stone Cold Steve Austin gave me. This is the one. Oh yeah. You know what I did? This was supposed to go in the WWE archives. They're gonna be pissed that I said this. And um, they they wanted to retrieve it after I got done uh, with the program, and I told them I lost it, <laughs> and I kept it. <laughs> hey, a cowboy hat, mini cowboy hat that Stone Cold gave me. I'm keeping it forever. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Of course. Of course. Uh, you at one point went over to fight in New Japan. Uh, how was it? How was it over there in New Japan and the stadium? I mean, I I hear from all the wrestlers that it's really awesome over there. And yeah, Hiroshi, it, what was that like? It, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed going over there. Um, I, I decided not to do it anymore because my body started to get beat up. I was working in TNA and also doing New Japan, and it was getting to be a little bit too much. And uh, then I dropped the title to uh, uh, Nakamura, I think, or... Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi's on. I got it written in my notes. Tanahashi. Yeah. So, um, I did wrestle Nakamura too. He was he was really fun to wrestle with. But Tanahashi was a great athlete too. He he. Uh, we had a lot of fun. But my best match was against Yuji Nagata. Uh, if you never saw that match, you have to watch it. It's it's as good as any of my matches in WWE. And we never met each other before. We met that day. We barely touched, and uh, I didn't know if I had chemistry with him, but he was such an incredible worker. He um, he was just a, a great veteran. He he knew how to adapt, and uh, his selling was incredible. He you know I I remember uh, uh, I had him in a hold, and you know he he his head his eyes went up into his head like the Undertaker. And uh, it was gory, but it was a great sell. It was like, oh my gosh, this guy's a freak. Uh, but he, um, he, he had it. He had all the tools to be who he was. He, he had to be one of the best wrestlers in Japan's history. Has to be. We have a writing question from uh, one of our friends, Carson. Uh, King of the Ring versus Shane. 
What were your thoughts when the glass didn't break and he ended up on his head? And I Prince wrote we, this. Prince wrote this question as well. Um, I thought it's time to move on. Uh, we're not going <laughs> to do it anymore. And Shane made me do it again. And uh, and he landed on his head again. I said, "Lad, we're not doing it." He said, "Put me through the effing window." And I said, "All right." And I picked him up. The problem was I didn't have any pop in my hips because I just landed on my tailbone like two minutes prior to that. Shane suplexed me on the concrete floor. So I, I couldn't pop my hips. And, uh, and, and the glass wasn't, uh, it wasn't, um, what do you call it? The sugar glass. It was plexiglass. So the, the, the stunt guy got the wrong glass. And <laughs> <laughs> when when Shane went through it, he bled enormously. Um, and then I had to throw him back through, and they, I couldn't throw him through again, so I threw him head first back through the another window, and uh, he got cut up pretty badly. So did I, my arm, because I followed through, and the glass landed on my arm. But it was it was a crazy bump. Uh, Shane's a crazy dude. I know Vince McMahon was getting ready to stop it because – we weren't stopping. We're, we just kept going. And uh, Vince was concerned about his son. So he was pretty pissed off when we got back. Do you remember Take the back to, Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was, no, I was just going to say that. Take me back to the woo-off with Flair on Raw. Oh, yeah. Well, I had surgery on my neck, so I couldn't woo. I can't woo anymore. Woo, I, that's the best I can do. Woo, I can't go real loud. Woo, I can't do it. So <laughs> I felt like an idiot doing it with Rick because he's doing the loud woos. And I'm like, woo. And, you know, but, <laughs> but it worked. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool to do it with Rick. You know, he, he, he's crazy. Uh, you know, they, that guy, if you do something crazier, he's going to do something crazier than you do. You know, he's, he, he's going to outperform you. That's Rick. He, he has a lot of pride. I don't know how much more time we got of yours, but hope we got a few more questions. Um, I got, I actually got to go. I have another podcast. Oh, you do? Okay. Um, that's it. It's damn true. I'm an idiot. <laughs> hey, it's all good, Kurt. It's all good. Thank you for taking the time. Kurt, I just want to thank you again, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. And we can't wait to try your uh, crackers, guys. Those chip ones. Check them out, thank guys. You. Kurt Angle, the man, the myth, the legends right here, guys. And what right, website, thanks, guys. What website do you have them on there? What? What website? So Physically physicallyfit.com. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank well, you, brother. Hey, take care Thank there, you. Kurt. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, that turned out Yo. okay. Yo. Yo. Can you hear me or no? Yeah, I can, I can hear you now, but... I wish I could have gave him one more question because I could have oh. gave him a hot seat question. But I didn't right. even get to the milk truck. I was about to ask him about the milk truck. Yeah, it's too many. Oh, we missed we miss the milk man. truck question. It's, it's like a limited time. Well, at least you got him for like an hour. Uh, I don't know how long that is. I haven't looked yet. Well, almost No, like 40, 40 minutes. Like well, he was right on time, so we got 40 minutes out of him. Hey. I was going to ask him a high seat question, too. It was actually pretty good, too. It's like, right, no. which group would you like? WWE Kirk, TNA Kirk, or both? I don't know. We hardly even talked about that. I wanted to ask him how Kurt or uh, 
Vince McMahon actually wanted to fight him in real life in 2006 when he left. Oh, really? I didn't bring up the Hall. Of, I didn't bring up the Hall of Fame stuff either. No, we never got to any of that. Twenty, the 2017 WWE Hall Ronda of Fame. Ronda Rousey. That's why I really wanted to talk about too. I mean, you had so much time. It, it's, it was it was too much. Yeah. But we still got him though. Yeah, right. angle. Oh, it's Mike, true. It's Mike. damn true. Okay, you going back to work? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. work. He mics yeah. at work, yeah. Okay. Okay, well then we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap this episode up here with a couple of chips and some stuff. Yep. Okay, buddy, we'll talk to you soon.